0: We want you. It's coming consumed, God All we are we give you permission our high ties we want you God is yes, we
1: want you Hi guys girls women <laughs> Yeah no guys here that's kinda fun I have three sons and one daughter So I grew up um, the last few years in a very boy-oriented world where it took quite a while before we even got a female pet. (laughs) Yeah. So this is really fun because I grew up in a house with four girls. I'm the oldest of four girls. So when I got married and had my first son, the... The OBGYN, you know how they'll, they'll tell you what you're having before you actually have the baby? Well, they told us she's a little girl. So we had little girl nursery, little girl clothes, and out came, and, and remember, I'm one of four girls, so my family was pretty fired up um, for another little girl. My dad was kind of sad, but, you know, whatever. So... <laughs> Um, Out came Max. <laughs> yeah, with his waterworks going <laughs> right in the delivery room. It was the biggest surprise. And at the time, I, just look, I looked up and said, Lord, this is your funniest practical joke yet because <laughs> I haven't a clue what to do with a boy. I dressed him in tights. I mean, yeah, I put these little bubbles and smock things for him. I put him in tights for years. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I'm thrilled to be here with y'all today. And I know that y'all know each other. You don't know me. So I've got a little film, a um, little tiny video. It's like eight minutes long to show you a little snippet of um, why I'm here today. Because guys... Without Jesus, I would not be here today. No. I, I, my family planned my funeral in 2010. They actually, at the end, I had a terminal illness, so it's not like they just, you know, <laughs> did it randomly. But <laughs> I did have a terminal illness. They gave away my clothes. Yeah. Yeah. So when, when you talk about miracles, it would be me. It's just amazing. I get really excited about every single day. It doesn't matter whether it's raining. It, the weather doesn't matter what my situation is, whether we have money in our checking account, which it doesn't seem to be <laughs> happening that often. But it doesn't matter. I get to be here. And I get to have see my children and see them grow up. And it's all because of, it's all Jesus. It wasn't the doctors. It wasn't the medical professionals. And that's what this video will show you.
0: Susan had a lot of medical problems early on. She's always kind of had medical problems. She had heart issues that were all pre-symptoms of
2: what she Ultimately, ended up with which was the autonomic dysfunction. Well, I knew that she had had problems with her autonomic nervous system, which is, uh, you know, as a physician, it's a little complicated. But basically, uh, it's the the nerves that control like your temperature, your balance, your heart rate, and, and multiple other other things.
1: When blood is not where it's supposed to be, when blood is not circulating the way it's intended, it's really exceptionally painful and my organs hurt and the doctors explained to us that this autonomia or autonomic nervous system dysfunction is progressive and terminal and that there wasn't anything we could do to stop it just um to try to keep me comfortable
2: we received the diagnosis that the
0: symptoms were progressing and getting more momentum that was not good
1: i took between 45 and 60 pills a day to regulate all those different body systems and to take care of the
2: pain. I got her uh, her chart from uh, Greensboro, and she had she had two charts full of medical records from all over the place, from uh, Greensboro, from Duke University, from Chapel Hill, from the specialist in uh, uh, in this dysautonomia Uh, she had two of them they were this thick and I went through them and document
1: In EMC Lice, P L A C E, they wake you up for all these billions of reasons. And I had this little um, notebook by my bed, and when they woke me up. I would just jot things down. I'd written down Randy Clark's name five times. I didn't know who he was. So I started asking the doctors, do you know Randy Clark? And they're like, no, I don't know Randy Clark. I asked the
2: nurses, they didn't know Randy Clark. Susan called me one day and said, "Um, do you know Randy Clark is? And I said, yeah, you should Google him because he's over a very large international healing ministry. Um, I've been to his conference.
0: As soon as I got back from my business trip, we would probably have to get Susan involved in hospice. It was just, it was overwhelming family.
1: I went to the very first day of the conference, and it was all I could do to walk in and sit down.
2: Right as she got seated, they called a break, and um, David Miller was also at the conference in front of, of us and that morning. You know, Susan is not well. She needs prayer. And David said, oh, yes, my wife and I have prayed for her. And I said, listen to me, David. Susan is not here. We have got to hear her prayer. And he went in high action. So when he spotted Susan, he had set it up, and he comes running up, and he goes, Susan, Susan, he'll pray for you now. And she said, who, Randy? He said, no, Rodney. speakers?
0: Well, we were doing a healing conference in High Point, North Carolina. And I was doing this conference with Randy Clark, Global Awakening. And I just got through finishing teaching my morning session. So I um, asked Rodney, I said, before we leave, we've got plenty of time at this point, before we leave, would you just take a moment and pray. Um, and he You know, she just kind of looked at me, and uh, I said, well, what, what can I do?
1: And he asked me, what do you want me to do? What would you like prayer for? And I said, I want you to slap me upside the head and say, be healed in the name of Jesus. Because that was going to be quick, it was going to get it done, and we could all get back in. And instead, he was like, no, nah, I don't really do things that way, but um, we'll see what God has
0: She just said, I've got these few things. She mentioned a couple of things, and they weren't quite registering. Because at this time, I'm like listening to the Holy Spirit. Like, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to do this? So I said, okay, well, let's let's pray.
1: He did not um, even lay hands on me. We didn't hold hands. We just
0: prayed. And uh, when we finished praying, I
1: feel good. I said, well, great. By the time he finished, I was just so peaceful. And I opened my eyes. I was like, I feel no pain. I feel no pain. And with that, I kind of just slumped in my chair. I didn't know it, but like the Holy Spirit was running all through me, healing and restoring. I knew then. That I was completely healed.
0: The beautiful thing for me is I have a thirty-year history with Susan at the time. I've known her sick. i already personally prayed for her. Um, so
2: I have the privilege of seeing the Lord absolutely radically heal somebody. This was a creative miracle that she had been for years and had these these nerves being destroyed, and all of a sudden Jesus just recreated the nerves. God
0: touched her. And it was really evident that God touched her. I did not understand that people could be completely healed in a moment. I just, I did not understand that. I, I physically absolutely knew that Susan was completely changed and was just not sick anymore. You know, it was like lunchtime. She was able to eat things that she hadn't eaten before. And it as it was, I was beginning to hear her story uh, throughout the day, because we, we connected at lunch and we connected. Uh, Later on that day, and she began to share with me a little bit more of her story, I began to really see how dramatic this healing was.
1: I waited over a year before I went back, and my doctor, who is the world-renowned expert in dysautonomia, he gave me a clean bill of health, and he called it. Yeah, which is Dr. Babel, or a miracle. It was God. Mm-hmm. All God Thank you for having me here. You guys, you get to belong to the sweet church, and you're being equipped to deal with anything that the enemy throws at you. That is so awesome. I loved my church, but guys, I grew up an Episcopalian and then a Presbyterian. I didn't have a grid for what to do. Not, not at all. Um, when in 2004, I was. Um, it was seven years after. I had had a hysterectomy and my colon burst. Yeah, well where was I? I was at home trying to get the garden in because I was a third grade teacher and it was the second day of summer and I was upset that I didn't have my garden planted. So all I was focused on was getting those plants in the ground and instead of being a, an intelligent human being and realizing that I was in pain and getting myself to the doctor or the hospital, I was getting angry. I, I can't believe my stomach hurts. You know, because I'd had cancer three times by then. When I was 15 years old, when you're 15, you can't drive. Your, your friends can't drive. I had a breast lump at 15. Now, that is not a popular thing ever, but when you're 15 years old, and I didn't have a clue about what um, my mother signed forms because I was under 18, and a nurse right before, when I'm in the um, surgery room, the nurse in the operating room preparing for the surgery A nurse looked at me and said, oh, you sweet thing, I'm so sorry we have to remove your breasts. And I went, I was like, do what? No one ever even mentioned that to me. Luckily, that didn't happen. They just took out a big chunk of it. But they did that six more times. And then I had a double mastectomy when I was 30. That's still really young. Then ovarian cancer, they did hysterectomy. And then thymus cancer. At the time that they told me I had thymus cancer, I didn't even know I had a thymus. I mean, I graduated from Duke, but hello. I knew I had a thyroid, but a thymus, I didn't know that that even existed. And then they're telling me I have a thymoma. I thought that was the funniest sounding word. I couldn't, for the life of me, every time the doctor told me, I was like giggling, because it just sounded so ridiculous. But... Um, it turns out your thymus is under your breastbone, and um, not many people survived that, but I did. So I kept thinking, you know, I'm g- now three, three cancers, I am good for the rest of my life. So when my stomach hurt, it just made me mad because I'd had enough. No more surgeries. I'd had it. Well, when my colon burst my four kids were home. They went into action, and they ended up getting me to a hospital. Um, The fire department came, which got the ambulance, which got me to the hospital, and they removed half my colon. Now all this is yuck stuff, but when I went back and started trying to teach third grade, this is like one of the biggest tricks ever for me because I can stand still, and nothing happens. When I stood still in front of my kindergarten, um, my third grade classroom, I, if I stood to, to read the spelling list to the kids, I passed out. Well, the third time I passed out in the class, they said, you're gonna need to stay home until we can get, you can get that under control. And I, that ended up being the last time I was in the classroom. Um, because we went to a lot of specialists, and they discovered that I had dysautonomia. Well, that's that means that your autonomic nervous system, which probably happened when they were when my colon burst, it it fried, and I was really lucky to survive that surgery, but it did my um, autonomic nervous system fried, so. I could no longer teach and they said it's progressive and terminal you will live probably four to six years well that's a really weird amount of time because people understand you're going to die immediately or you have six months people understand you're going to live till you're 101 but this four to six years it was really weird so I would try to clean out closets and do Little things to um, get my house in order. But at the same time, I miss teaching school, so I got a group of high school students. I became a young life leader. I was a young life leader when I was at Duke, and I loved being a young life leader. And it's it's bringing Jesus to high school students or bringing high school students to Jesus, whichever way you want to look at it. It was the perfect place for me to hide because high school students, they're not paying attention to you. Their eye is focused on themselves. So I would go to the high school and they didn't care. I had to rock all the time. I call this the baby rock. Well, I couldn't stand still. So when I talked to them in the halls, I would kind of rock. They never noticed. <laughs> I had them over, I had the girls over to my house and we had a Bible study that started out 8, grew to 12, grew to 24, ended up being somewhere around 37. Um, Girls um, that would come pile in like puppies on our sofas and stuff and come and hear stories about Jesus. Well, it was the best thing ever for me because as I read to them the stories about Jesus the sick would go to Jesus and Jesus would heal them. And nothing was too hard for Jesus. He never said, "Uh eh, no, nah, you know, no, nah, I can't deal with that." He healed them all. And I was one of them all. So I started going, "Well, if that is true and if um Hebrews 13:8 is true, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then that means Jesus wants to heal me. The doctors couldn't do anything. In fact, all they could do was pile on those, all the medications, which became ridiculous. I had an IV in my, it's called a PIC line. I had one of those for four years, and everyone in my family and my neighbors knew how to give me an IV. Um, I had it every day because one of the things that your autonomic nervous system does is hydrate, keeps your cells hydrated. So mine were not, and I needed IVs to keep hydrated, to have Zofran, which keeps me, kept me from throwing up all the time, God's gift to the planet, and other medications. Well, So these girls would come over. I put a bandana over my pick line. They didn't care. And they grew to love Jesus, and they realized that Jesus loved them. They knew that. And so I started talking to them about, well, I would write out on slips of paper, um, Psalm 118, 17, I will not die but live and declare what the Lord has done. I decided that that was going to be, everyone said that I needed to have a scripture to stand on. Being a second, third grade teacher, I took them literally. I took those slips of paper, used scotch tape, taped them in my shoes. So I was standing on my promise that I will not die but live and declare what the Lord has done. Well, now, the cool thing is, uh, the whole time I was standing on that promise, I was only focused on I will not die but live. I knew the second half. I repeated it. I must have said that scripture 50 or 100 times a day, honestly. It became my little mantra Um, because I didn't belong to a church like this. (laughs) Remember, I'm Presbyterian, and I'm standing on my promise. Well, now I get to live out the second half, and I will declare what the Lord has done That video is declaring what he did, because the day that I went, it was on April 29th, 2010, I went to the Randy Clark Healing Conference in High Point, North Carolina, and when the minister who prayed for me, he was all the way from California, I didn't even know his last name, because that's not what matters. What mattered is that I was pursuing my healing, and I wasn't giving up. He was not the first person who prayed for me. I probably had over 50 pastors pray for me before him. I just knew, though, I knew that my healing was what Jesus had bought and paid for and I wasn't going to give up till I got what Jesus bought and paid for. It was mine. I wanted it. And if I could survive long enough, I kept going after it. I talked all my friends and my family members into driving me up and down the East Coast. We went to New York. We went my son right after he got his driver's license Um, My third son drove me down to Atlanta. It was his first experience in city traffic. Yeah. Yeah, to go pray. (laughs) My husband was like, yeah, you need to be praying the whole way (laughs) because I've seen Taylor Drive. No, but (laughs) Um, I was determined that if Jesus said that he could heal everyone, he could heal me and I wanted to get what I, what I had coming to me, what was mine. Um, so today, I want to help give you all some tools because I want you to go after what is yours. yours. Y'all may not have physical healing issues, but every single one of you can pray for someone. And I want to help equip you. you so that before you leave today, I don't want to scare you, but before you leave today, you're going to have prayed for someone. And we're going to watch God heal. Because it doesn't matter what you do. What matters is what the big guy does. He's a big God. The first time that I went to Brazil, I was scared to pieces to pray for someone. I just knew that I was supposed to go. And the, the first person to come up to me said, I've got this big old tumor. And he looked pregnant, this big old tumor. We're down in Brazil in this beautiful church, but he had this big um, liver tumor. He had cancer of the liver. So he had this, he, he looked very pregnant. And I'm thinking, really? (laughs) You know, this is my first, and you send me him? What are you thinking? Well, later, afterwards, Randy Clark came up to me, and he said, I saw you. You were sweating bullets, weren't you? I was like, yeah. And he said, I am so glad that man came up to you and not me because I looked right at the guy, and I had an interpreter because they speak Portuguese in Brazil. And I said, sir, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> Doesn't that instill confidence? Yeah. I said, sir, I have no idea what I'm doing. But I know that the God who healed me, and I was dying, he loves me. And he loves you, and he's going to heal you too. Now, guys, did I believe it? I can't tell you that I did. I was freaked out of my socks but I put my hand on his big belly and started praying and I'm praying and all of a sudden my hand goes like that and his tumor disappeared. He pulled, excuse me, he, he, um, he pulled up his shirt and there was no tumor there, it was just flat. Yeah, I've never seen that happen. I I mean, I had never seen that happen. I've seen it happen since especially in go on a, on a trip outside the United States because it's just amazing how God shows up. Now God shows up here. I've seen tumors disappear in the United States. But the regularity that they that Just incredible things happen when you go on a mission trip, take a leap of faith. I went um, to Brazil this past October, and my prayer partner, I love to have prayer partners because I don't like to pray by myself, and Tina doesn't know it, but she's going to be my prayer partner today. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) But my prayer partner when I was in Brazil was 78 years old is seventy eight years old she 's just rocks, and Hilda was my prayer partner in Brazil. We saw the most fun things happen i 've gone five times because it was my first the first place I ever went so every every fall so far i 've been able to go to brazil um, it 's what I save up my money to do it 's just it 's amazing, but I want to talk to you guys because I figured that what I did was I pressed heaven for my healing so pressing heaven is kind of what I'm gonna talk to you all about today and being a teacher an elementary school teacher I like to talk in a way that y'all can remember it afterwards or maybe you know <laughs> um, so I broke it down and Sorry that there's usually the little apple turns pink. It is a favorite color, but um, pressing heaven. I'm not talking about ironing pressing. I'm talking about pushing on heaven till heaven, because in the Lord's Prayer, it says, Our Father who art in heaven, I think it says, How would be thy name? I thought God's name God had a name. His name was Hal. So I grew up calling him Hal. Um, But Hal would be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if it isn't in heaven, we don't want it here. So I think we just push on heaven till it, you know, rains down heaven here. That's how I think of it. So the P in Pressing stands for precious because you are precious to God. God loves you and me. You cannot do anything to make God love you more and you can't do anything to make God love you less. We are each God's favorite child. This is really important to know. And God is no respecter of persons. And that means that what God did for that man down in Brazil, he can do for your relative. And not only can he do it, he wants to do it. The mir- and the miracle that happened to me can happen to you, to your relative, to your friend. I pressed heaven. I want to teach you. The R stands for recognize. Recognize that God wants to heal us. Exodus 13, 25, I am the God who heals you. No doubt about it, all healing comes from God. It doesn't come from the person who's praying. Every bit of it comes from God. God healed in the Old Testament. He healed in the New Testament, and he is healing today. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Put your faith only in him. The first, um, the E stands for examine your beliefs and drop the lies. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you where you are believing less than his truth. After all this supernatural stuff, I thought I no longer had God in a box, but that wasn't true. While it was much bigger, God was still in a box. See, I thought that I needed to physically place my hands on someone to pray for them. Wrong. (laughs) I had friends that I met in Brazil asked me to Skype with them for their friend who had cancer and I love to, hello, after three times, my favorite thing is to pray for cancer. It just, I feel like I'm taking back ground and it makes me get up that line of Judah roaring inside. So they would call me at five in the morning and I would pray for one of their healing room leaders named Jerry who had been fighting liver cancer. And, guys, each morning, my hand would, I would wake up and my hand would burn. And when it burns, I know that the Holy Spirit is flowing through. And Jerry, I would pray for Jerry over Skype. Who knew Jesus Skypes? I mean, really, you know? People are always saying, oh, all that technology, it's, no, Jesus, Jesus is so creative oh my gosh I could Jerry would while I'm praying for Jerry over Skype Jerry in South Africa would feel that body part burning I don't know who was more surprised the first day me or Jerry but I learned that day I had been believing a lie y'all may have some hiding as well (laughs) The first S is, stands for seek. Seek prayer. God hears every prayer. And it is a fact that I actually learned when I was at Duke. Um, I went to the divinity school while I was there. And I get to use one thing from it. <laughs> just one. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but it is a fact that it is God's character to act when he hears each prayer. Now, humans can respond positively, pa- passively, or actively, but God only responds with action. When it says that you recall, when you bring to God's memory so-and-so, God, when, he, when that person is recalled to him, he moves with action. So gather a group of friends, family, and pray out loud for your healing or for your friends' healing. There is power in the spoken word. I never knew that, guys. God, but it makes sense because God spoke the world into existence. And we're made in his image. Therefore, there is power in the spoken word. And then the S Stand on scripture. When you're tired and sick and out of your own ideas, lean into God's word. His word is truth and therefore timeless. Pick your favorite scripture and recite it until it just becomes yours your healing scripture or your faith scripture. You're, the church has a wonderful scripture about running the race with excellence. You know, that's a good scripture to have just as your daily scripture. Yeah. There, and what I did with my healing scripture is I taped it everywhere. I put it on my dashboard, in my car, on the rearview mirror, on the mirror inside when I was getting dressed in the morning on your computer case, the door to your room. I I told you I taped mine to the instep of my shoes. Just, it's not important where it is. It's important that it's where you can see it and, re- and remember to recite it out loud every time you see it. Psalms 103.20 says that there are angels who hearken to the sound of his word, which means... There are angels that are just waiting for their assignment. So give them them an assignment, guys. The I stands for investigate. Become a student of studying God's character. Who is he? Does he lie? Does he want me ill? I knew by studying God's character that it is always God's will to heal. He doesn't send sickness to anyone. Because, guys, there is no sickness in heaven. So God can only give what he has. And if there's no sickness in heaven, he can't give it to you. Yeah, I didn't know that. I spent all these years. I am so. I mean, y'all are so young. It's just, wish I had learned that a long time ago. The N stands for never, never give up. My doctors could not stop my disease from progressing. So figuring I had nothing to lose and knowing that God wanted me healed, I plotted. I plotted ways to get in front of every person I could for prayer. I got my Bible study girls to pray. I found out other ministers who would pray. I went with hope and expectation in my heart each and every time because I knew that God wanted me healed. And the last letter is G, and it stands for the very best one of all, gratitude. It is amazing what gratitude does to your spirit. Develop an attitude of gratitude. Philippians 4, 8 and th- First Thessalonians 5:18: "Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus." It, you don't have to have a fancy gratitude journal. Grab a spiral notebook and start making a list. I did this while I was sick. Make a list of three things a day that you are thankful for. It sounds really simple. But it, it, the trick is remembering to do it every day. And it changes you from the inside out. I did it at night before bed. And sometimes my list would be things like, number one, kept my lunch down. Number two, had a great phone call with my mom. Number three, got a shower today without fainting. I fainted in the shower a lot. Um, I mean, that... Uh, that really didn't even get beyond my home. <laughs> and I didn't get beyond my home. But heaven is waiting. Start pressing for your healing. Guys, when I talked with Tina, we, we had a great conversation, and it was so much fun to find, find out what your church is doing And when I got in the car and started driving home, the Lord had so much to say to me. It was a little scary that I was driving because he was just on me and kept... See, I'm getting chills, which is weird. Um, A lot of you are under attack. Now, we live in this world... Have y'all ever been taught to de-slime? You have. Good. So I I don't need to talk to y'all about that. I do need to teach you to do that. Do you know how to do the ABCs? I call it the ABCs. Okay. We live in this world. That doesn't mean that you're, you're opening doors to the enemy. You could be, and if you are, figure, you know, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you. But there is a really good chance you're doing, you're doing nothing wrong. It's just you live in this world and you bump into other people who are carrying stuff. I call them critters. Some people call them demons, whatever. It's, more, it's, it's just my way. I call them critters. Critters jump on you. They can through no fault of your own. And I don't know if y'all have ever had a yard blessed to be in, a, have a, an oak tree in your yard. But having a critter is so, somewhat like having an oak tree when it drops an acorn. If you get the acorn up in the first few days, you can like just take your, your hand and go like this and they fly away. You know, they're, they're just on the ground. Well, that's kind of like what a critter is like when it first lands on you. And then maybe a week afterwards, that acorn starts growing a little root, and you have to be intentional and use a rake to get it off. And then after you've had it for a couple of weeks, it's grown a little root system, and you have to dig it out. Critters are like that. Sometimes I will pray for someone and get in the car. And guys, I love my husband. I love my husband. But I'll get in the car and all of a sudden I will have prayed for someone who's got an issue with lust. I'll get in the car and be driving down the road and going, hmm, looks hot. You know, and I'm going, what is that? That's not me. That's not how I feel. And I'll go, okay, I need to de-slime. I need to say my ABCs. And this is what it is. A stands for attack assignment. There was another one. Attack assignment. No. Attachment. Thank you. Attack assignment or attachment. So you say, holy God, in the mighty name of Jesus, I ask that you would remove from me any attack, attachment, or assignment that the enemy has made over me. I always add my family or my family. Because you have authority over your family. Yes. B stands for burden. Because sometimes those Critters will lay false burdens on you. And all of a sudden, you'll be all weepy or you'll be feeling like you really can't get out of debt or you're never going to be healthy or you're never going to be strong or you're never... It's all those nevers. If you find yourself thinking lots of nevers, it's a false burden. Do the same thing. Father God... I ask that you remove from me any false burden that you do not intend me to carry. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. C is curse. And y'all, that's self-explanatory. It just happens. Someone may, even medical professionals, guys, they kept me alive till I got the prayer that Jesus healed me through. I love doctors and nurses, but sometimes even well-intentioned medical professionals can say word curses. And if it strikes your heart, if it becomes a fiery dart, the enemy can use it as a fiery dart that will cause you to not have God's best. So, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would break any curse that has been spoken over me and my family. Any written or spoken curse. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. And guys, everything is in the name of Jesus. Yes. And if you um if you just break it down and say in the name of Jesus for each one, the last is D, and it stands for defilement. Because sometimes, especially through TV, <laughs> or sometimes just talking to somebody, someone will start telling you something that you really don't want to have in your memory bank. Well, did you, know, you can ask the Lord to remove it. So, Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, I ask that you remove from my brain any defilement that has occurred today. The Holy Spirit is really on this.
0: So you walk into the sickness starts to vanish And every hopeless situation It ceases to exist is when you walk into the room, hey, the dead begin to rise, there is resurrection life in all you.